Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we break down the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. This is, of course, a hiatus episode. We are not doing that. This is between seasons one and seasons two, and we are looking at some of the TV movie Hulk films. We're kind of going through the catalog of Hulk to get ready for the Incredible Hulk. Uh, (laughs) Oh, migrant labor. Oh, yes. Good times. Hey, Pete. Hi, Andy. Are you ready to talk? This is, of course, the second of the TV movies. Uh, This is the return of The Incredible Hulk, which was released. I think I have the date here. It was November 28th, 1977. Okay. And this was after uh, the original film was uh, released, which was November 4th. Uh, 1977 and this this followed shortly as another tv movie but all of this was really just to gear up the the tv watching public for the tv series which actually debuted march 10th 1978 what did you what did you think of this one uh okay so it's the return of the incredible hulk aka death in the family which is how it's released as episodes two and three of the tv show um this okay, so this very much reminds me of everything that I grew up watching and loving about the Incredible Hulk, where he's wandering aimlessly, he stops for a bit, uh, somebody needs help, he helps them. At some point, he gets angry and he hulks out, and uh, the reporter pursues him. In the end, he helps the person solve their problem and flees before the reporter can figure everything out. Right. It's like kung that, fu, <laughs> but green and angry. Oh, don't make him yes. angry. Um, don't so make him angry. Last, I, if there was any kind of lesson learned last week, it was that I really like Bill Bixby. I still really like Bill Bixby. That the opening movie, right, the initial pilot was better than I remembered. It still is better than I remembered. This feels much more like the show that I remember in contrast to last our, our last episode, which that felt like a movie. This just felt showy. I, I think that's kind of what you're getting to, right? That it feels much more like what you remember loving as a kid. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, this does feel just like an extended TV episode. Yeah, it's it's just um, less cinematic. It's just naturally less cinematic. Yeah, and and that's okay. I mean, I think yeah. it's totally fine. I, I I still find it interesting that it was released theatrically in some parts of the world. Although, unlike the last one, I could not find for the life of me where in the world this one was released. So I don't know if Australia was the one that was, um, you know, licking their chops to get more Hulk, but. We all know um, that's probably what happened. <laughs> probably true. <laughs> uh, so uh, this one does feel very much just like a two-part TV episode. And, you know, it's fine. I, I think it's fine. In fact, I really still enjoyed it. I think there's a lot to enjoy in context of kind of that uh, two-part TV episode type of world as opposed to just a movie. Uh, I don't know. I I I liked a lot of it, uh, but I I feel like it's it's just a likable TV show now. What did you think? It's a likable TV show. I I'll, I think we'll we'll agree that that <laughs> those are the table stakes for this conversation. <laughs> it's in general, it's likable. Um, I there were there were things that I found myself just laughing at, and I couldn't I couldn't separate 
from them. So let's talk. Can we? Should we talk a little bit about what the story is? Should we? Uh, should we count on? Uh, should we ask uh, our Hulk narrator Andy to come out? <laughs> Cue the fire. Wandering the roads, hitchhiking, is David Banner, the lonely man. He's trying to get to his hometown of Everett. He thinks he's come up with a plan. Everett Memorial Hospital got a new radiology device. Could it be the answer to David's prayers? The tool for a personality splice? Hitchhiking makes him hungry. He sees a citrus farm. Just one little orange. What could be the harm? While nibbling on his fruit, he sees a crippled lady. She's hobbling to her father's grave in a spot that is quite shady. She falls with her flowers. David runs to her aid. Her legs won't work anymore, and her meds leave her dismayed. She misses her dad. He was the best. They'd jog together all over the world. But no more jogging. He's underground, as her story slowly is unfurled. David starts on his way, but watches her go. She struggles, and her legs finally fail. He carries her to the family estate. Margaret, her stepmom, sees and goes pale. David carries the girl, Julie's her name, up to her bedroom to rest. Margaret has the house nurse call for the doc to find out what med would be best. Myostatin's the drug, but David's suspicious. It's orange, not clear like it should be. But Julie seems fine now and asks him to stay, so on their farm, a fruit picker David would be. He meets Denny, the rancher in charge, who's suspicious of this curious stranger. He also doesn't like giving him a job. To him, David's clear and present danger. David gets chatty with Julie, learning more about mom and stepmom. He learns dad started up Pan American before dying from an accidental boat firebomb. Julie was with him, and she survived, rescued by a man she couldn't remember. That was the accident that ruined her legs, though they seem fine, not marred by the embers. Dr. Botafont, the family physician, said, It's a brain problem. My meds will help you stand up. But her ability to walk seems to be getting worse. David's suspicious. Something is up. Denny interrupts, clearly bothered by David. The help doesn't mingle with dear Julie. Then Botafont himself arrives to give more meds to her though David thinks unduly. David asks stepmom Margaret to speak alone. He brings up his concerns about the shots. She says she'll talk to him about this concern, and he leaves with her brow furrowed in knots. Bonifant walks in, and Margaret reveals their plan, to poison the girl and steal her money. It has to look like it stemmed from her legs, so no one would think there was something funny. Margaret knows Denny likes Julie and knows he doesn't like Banner. He tells her to deal with him in his own way. She wants him out of her manor. But when Denny pushes David, he finally hulks out and destroys the farmhand's shack. Leaving Denny in the rubble, Hulk runs off into the night, which is oh so black. Hulk and then David befriend an old man, living alone in the woods. It turns out he's the one who saved Julie. They chat as they eat roasted goods. Banner heads to the hospital, finally, to dig up the dirt on Bonifant. 
He also learns more about their radiation machine. Could it have the answer he'd want? Banner sneaks into Bonifant's office and finds Julie's file with the proof. He can bust the dock with this info, but someone's at the door. He's made a terrible goof. Banner hides and the dock comes inside with Margaret. He hears their plans about stealing the loot. They leave and he makes off with all of the files, but they see him and begin a pursuit. David tries to get Julie to run with him to safety, but she won't go. He seems so crazy. That's when he hopes out. He grabs her and runs right through the wall. This guy, he ain't lazy. To the swamp they go, where they meet the old man. He'll help them get to the ranger's station. But it's quite a ways, and they're being pursued. Plus, it's in a tricky location. They go on their way. Hulk wrestles a bear, and there's quicksand, because it's the 70s. David finally convinces Julie that she can walk once she gets past her stepmom's lying tendencies. Hulk jumps her to freedom and they're finally free. She goes on her own to confront the jerks. Later, David tries the radiation treatment, but it just doesn't seem to work. McGee finally catches up, but it's too late. David's fled. He's the lonely man once again, using a bus seat as his bed. We should start at the very, very, very beginning. Uh, the intro provided by uh, Ted Cassidy, uh, the voiceover intro, uh, which tells the story. Now, I, we didn't get so much of the story in the first one. If I don't, if I recall, there was no story backstory before the. the it was just first, the musical montage, musical of, montage of David and Laura. Up, it was and, the up montage. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. This time we get the voiceover uh, provided by Ted Cassidy, and it tells a. I think a pretty detailed story of David Banner and his search for super strength. Um, Yeah. And it's pretty long. It feels like this is a really long intro. I mean, you look at something like this and then you look at something like lost where it's like a 10 second. It's like, all you get is a title flying by. Yeah. It was very patient. (laughs) And uh, um, I, I thought that was funny. I think over the years they ended up uh, trimming that down and, and it probably served them in these first, this first season to to be a little bit more long-winded i don't know i i I think it was they they liked it and it gives them a chance to use that that mr mcgee don't make me angry clip you won't you wouldn't like me when i'm angry Um, yeah right so i like that but then we cut to our first scene uh, of current bill bixby uh david banner walking down the street with the worst five o'clock shadow i've ever seen (laughs) really (laughs) It was really rough. I if that's his natural uh, beard, oof. it's really sharp lined. Like that was just so rough. It's what we like to call in the business the Crayola, <laughs> sort of a Crayola <laughs> five o'clock shadow. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice when he finally uh, goes clean. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a little, it's a little funny looking. It's you know, it's rough. funny, and so if that's that started the laugh, and then he finds Julie. We meet Julie, and Julie has a little bit of trouble uh, navigating the Orange Grove where she is because of uh, she's ill. Right, and she's on crutches, having, having troubles walking. She's having we, trouble watching, and she out, right. she falls, and. I the writing of Julie here. Maybe it's the writing. Maybe it's the performance from the actress. I had some real trouble, and I thought, "What am I getting into?" 
This is not <laughs> this is not the standard they set with the pilot last last time. This is I bad. will let me remind you, we had some pretty atrocious dialogue with the kid, uh, BJ, that he was helping in his lab also. Uh, you're right, was, you're uh, right. That was some pretty painful uh, dialogue. And yes, Julie is, uh, unfortunately, she is consistently through the film, whereas BJ was in one scene. Yeah, yeah, no, she's <laughs> everywhere. have to suffer quite as much. And yes, her her dialogue is, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's just the acting or if it's just the dialogue they gave her, like you said. But when she's saying things like, you know, like, David, that's my <laughs> favorite name like, yeah what is it what is okay. it she says it means something it means wisdom or something like that yeah it means something wisdom. like that could you use some food and then the look on her face <laughs> it's could you put my tongue in your mouth like she just is so lusty and dazed I thought that she's was dazed is the right word yeah oh yeah i did not care well, for it and there are two scenes and, and again, I like this movie, but there are two scenes with Julie where she's talking about her father and the joy she had jogging with her dad. And weirdly, they decide these are the moments we're going to show flashbacks to. And so we get her jogging in Morocco and then we get another place where she's jogging. It was so strange. And then she kind of comes out of it and she's just like, he was such a neat guy. <laughs> Like, this yes. is your dad who died in a horrible fire accident on a boat a few months ago. And they do that thing. And, the, they do the flashbacks on the, the horrible fire on the boat, too, where, yeah. you know, she's, he starts asking, oh, where's your father? Like, I don't know, 15 frames of a boat on fire flash to that. Like, it was just they they do that, I think, really aggressive, like sharp, fast staccato flashbacks to to kind of move things through. And I think in many cases it works. In some cases, the contrast between the flashback and Julie is particularly hard edged and doesn't work as well for me. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it's. It's just the uh, the storytelling style. Yeah. I think that the TV production um, value has kind of diminished a little bit as far as how they're putting the story together, which is funny because this is a full on like two part episode. I mean, this is a, essentially a movie. I mean, it's it's of that length. It's an hour right. and a half. And so, yeah, you would think that uh, they would put a little more time and energy into kind of fleshing some of this out or, or kind of cleaning the script up a little bit so it didn't get quite so hokey. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a little frustrating. That yeah. was that was the first one. Then we get to the, that she faints and David picks her up and lugs her across the orange grove. And then when they find her, they they don't like take her to the hospital. They take her, they make David lug her throughout the house and the the mom says now now this way now turn step this mom. way yeah or stepmom right now now this way now up here now up these stairs and now it just felt like the longest possible <laughs> journey from place of fainting to the bed that I've ever seen it just never seemed to end and I thought that no this is not urgent enough for anybody so getting I guess all this is to say getting us into the story was harder for me in this one I I uh, because I didn't I didn't like. I think it'd be easier if I liked Julie, but I didn't like Julie. And so it, it just made it hard. And then yeah. they mentioned myostatin. Mm. And that took me down a hole. Yeah, you went down a deep hole with that. Do you want to talk about that before we uh, get into this more of the story? 
Andy, did you Google myostatin and what it does? I didn't, I, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> it's a real thing. So what we see is, you know, David, who's a doctor, uh, notices the the myostatin that they're giving her intravenously. And he's concerned because myostatin doesn't look like that. The, the drug that they're giving her was like kind of a rosé. <laughs> And he says, that's not, that's a clear liquid. Huh, funny. I thought myostatin was uh, uh, was a clear liquid. And I thought to myself, Pete, Pete, I said, I did too. So I started looking it up. And it turns out it's actually called growth differentiation factor eight, abbreviated GDF8. And uh, it's a protein uh, produced and released by myocytes that act on muscle cells autocrine function to inhibit myogenesis, muscle cell growth, and differentiation. And I don't know, uh, the, it, the pictures that came along with it were pictures of giant, obscenely <laughs> muscle-bound dogs and cows that are just crazy. Uh, these because if they're if they're lacking myostatin, they are uh, or they're treated with substances that block the activity of myostatin. They have significantly more muscle mass. So if they're lacking myostatin, they have more muscle mass. So why are they giving her myostatin, even if it's not a fraudulent drug? You're right about the pictures of the animals. And yeah. all I can say is gamma dogs. We, we found <laughs> the we, this, origin this of is, the gamma dog. This is where it all comes from. <gasps> oh, Andy. <laughs> These are totally, this is like a real life gamma dog. It is so scary. Why would somebody do this to a dog? It looks like it has been bench pressing with Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the 70s. Yes, yes it is ab. <laughs> scene it's amazing and and i remember myostatin dog or myostatin cattle and you'll get some frightening pictures these pictures this cow is so giant i've never seen anything like it it's like they just it's so tight in its skin it's like they took the skin off and it has become the cut of beef like diagram in butcher shops like that's what it looks like you can see the muscle musculature of these cows so clearly it's it's hard to look away it's really hard to look away they're so scary looking like cows look like docile like creatures that will run from you when they're out in the field (laughs) this looks like a demon creature that's going to destroy you oh oh Oh, my goodness Oh, oh my I goodness. Gotta, I gotta close the t- This is the nightmare <laughs> cow. It's a nightmare cow. Oh my god. <laughs> Everybody, please do this. Uh just myostatin. Find it. Oh. They, I remember what? this this first dog, the myo myostatin inhibitor. Um the the first dog, it was it went around years ago and it was uh everybody said, Well, that's a ridiculous Photoshop gag, and nobody believed it. And this one is actually this is the same photo, but it's from the original like medical journal that says myostatin inhibitors, lifesaver or the next performance enhancing uh substance. And it's this dog that has a myostatin, a real life myostatin problem. Eesh. It's a problem, y'all. It's a, it's a real problem. It's horrifying. There's a, oh my God, there's a wow. picture of, of a rat that is so jacked. I think it's going to bend the bars of its little cage. <laughs> oh, 
Wow. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow. All right. It is. It's a whole crazy thing. I, I, yeah. We're going to end up talking about myostatin the whole time if we yeah. don't close these down. Well, it's we totally so are. But but it go, to go back to the show, so myostatin, they're giving myostatin to this girl and it turns out it's not myostatin. It's another drug. And thank God David Banner knows that. And then we have the big twist that the mom is in on it. You've already talked about that. Um, yes. This this is when things get good, right? Because there's mystery and, uh, you know, unknown. I like the stepmom. I think she's uh, she's terrible and manipulative. And she's exactly the wicked stepmother that we need. Yes. Like this whole, the rest of the entire double episode fits right into some perf- pitch perfect archetypes. Well, and that's what I really loved about watching this is it really felt like this is how they used to set up these TV mystery shows yeah. like Murder, She Wrote or any of these where you have something mysterious happening. In this case, it's these it's this drug that they're giving to Julie and something going on with her legs. But then everybody looks suspicious, like the way the, the nurse looks at him and she's just like, who are you? Yeah. Doctor so-and-so? Or oh, no. Yeah. Do- oh, yeah. It was a uh, doctor. Dr. Salk. What yeah, right. a Dr. timed Salk. joke. Like that is a joke of a specific era. I don't think that, yeah. I don't think we kids would know that today. No, exactly. And so it was a very interesting um uh kind of way to kind of see this setup again and go, oh yeah, this is how they would set up this show. Um, because you'd have this mystery and he would have to solve it. It's very much, I mean, you were talking about uh, another show like Kung Fu that it feels like. Well, it also, it's like Kung Fu Kung Fu and Murder, She Wrote blended yeah. together with a big green guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. that's exactly what it is. And it and it it just it feels good because we also have the thugs and we have a great sequence. That's actually our first sequence uh, with the thugs and um, uh, Gerald McCraney. Mm. is one of the Simon like and Simon the lead thug yeah Simon and Simon he was uh, he is a very young man who is really should have just committed and taken his shirt all the way off like if you're not going to button it <laughs> just take it all the way off <laughs> the 70s were awesome Oh, yes, they were. And like and I said not, earlier, yeah. quicksand it's quicksand. the 70s. Of course we have quicksand <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, so so he's in it. Then we meet the doctor also. Uh, William Daniels plays the doctor. And of course, uh, William Daniels goes on to be Kit, the voice of Kit on Knight Rider, which was very exciting. He does. He was also in uh, that other medical show. He plays actually yeah, a nice Saint doctor in St. Elsewhere. Right. Um, that's, that's where my wife knew him from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, my parents loved that show, and and so it was, you know, it when I told them that I discovered him uh, in Knight Rider, they were like, you know, it was one of those things. Wait, you know, was uh, Paul McCartney in another band before Wings? That kind of a <laughs> that kind of an experience. They did not. They were not comfortable. <laughs> right. Yeah. So these are some of the people in it, and then uh, I mean, you you liked the stepmom, you said. I did. I like this. Tristan uh, is the stepmom. Yes, she's. I thought she was. I thought she was great and and kind of maniacal. And she fits the archetype of the, um, you know, of the evil stepmother. And uh, you know, I liked the twist. I thought the twist was fun. I, I knew it was coming because seventies plot device. But it, I, I really found myself like into it. And then, uh, you know, we have the the 
boat, chemical swamp, butane explodes. We get the backstory. We now all the pieces come together, uh, hulk out in the uh, shed with the bad guys, with the thugs. Uh, and we get a lot of throwing things around, which I think is great. Hulk takes out the stairwell. It's a good Hulk moment, right? It really gives Lou Ferrigno a chance oh, to beat some stuff up. up yeah. He just tears it right up. And I love that the first thing he does is take down a load-bearing beam. Like, that's the that's an <laughs> excellent setup. Like, you know he's not thinking about it because Hulk, but uh, no, he did a terrific job there. And then we get into, I'm going to fast forward all the way into another Frankenstein moment. Oh, yes. Old Man and the Chicken, uh, mm-hmm. which, which was just... Uh, it, it was just another one of those perfect little nuggets of 70s uh, homage to great storytelling goodness. It was, uh, when he's like playing with his chicken as he's cooking it, like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, oh, wow. He's really selling the uh, I'm living in, alone for a long time. Yeah. A very interesting guy. We don't. So we don't get a lot of, of backstory about this old guy. Just just enough. Like his his son was in the military and died overseas and, and got the Medal of Honor. And now he carries it for him. And he's upset because he's the one who sent his son over there. And so he is riddled with guilt. And he we have a little bit of a redemptive twist that it turns out he's the one who saved her from the burning boat. Couldn't save dad, but definitely saved uh, Julie. And that kind of brings the two of them together. I, uh, <laughs> I found it just so comically close to Gene Hackman's role in um, in Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein. And that it's huh. it's sort of hard. Like you make this guy blind with his chicken, and suddenly you have you have that scene. Like it, you almost could like watch it silently, and and uh, and and you can you can just listen to the Young Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. soundtrack and you'd hear the you'd hear the exact words um and, and then it goes to fire you know we have, a, we have right. the fire moment too uh so it was it was really perfect but that old guy i mean he again he fits uh he fits an archetype yeah it's john mcliam um i, I he's in first blood he's uh he, he ends up working with stallone later i I like his part. It's it's it does fit the story, and I think that's the thing: is all these different pieces kind of feel like they fit the needs of the story. But I don't know if I end up buying this world <laughs> that they're creating. Like, where is he living? Is he like on their property? And why is there a swamp near their land? Like, there are so many things that feel like just shoehorned in just to tell the story that I'm like, okay, I, I buy it because it's a TV show. But I'm actually really surprised that in in the context of this experience and this version of Hulk, that those things are things that you're questioning. <laughs> I thought that was sort of you like that's you buy the ticket. That's that's what you're in for. Um, that's kind of what you're getting. That's what you get. You know, yes, there is an old man who just hangs around with eating his chicken uh, over the fire, and it's about 200 feet from your back door, <laughs> right? <laughs> right across the river. That's that's deeper than you think it should be to be so close to, right. to the. And, and they kept referring to it as the swamp. Um, I don't, I don't know a lot of luxury like villas, like big corporate you know ceo level owners of properties like i just feel like there aren't a lot of them where a centerpiece of their natural landscape is the swamp 
Like <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like what a weird thing to have like also thrown into this whole thing. It's like let's throw a swamp in there because yeah. yeah, we need a swamp. Uh, it just it's so strange that all of this is <laughs> like part of this landscape. Yeah, just outside of town too. What let's go back uh, just a little bit into the doctor's office because we have the whole thing with the X-rays where David goes in to steal the X-rays that, or or to he goes in to rifle through you know the doctor's office and see if he can find some evidence, um, and and he's he pretends to be a lab technician from the company that sells the radiological device and that's I thought that was a funny sequence where he's he is asking about these features, you know, as if he's a sales guy. I thought that was, that, that was charming. Um, well, it speaks to his, his smarts as far as how he gets through things. So, yeah, I thought that was really cute. And then he goes in and he gets the, the we have the whole, uh, very typical, uh, hide in the closet TV gag. Yeah. Right. That works for me. I mean, you know, hey, again, you yeah. buy the ticket. Yeah, exactly. You go along with it, it's fine. And of course, he's going to, you know, there's no logical reason why the doctor would need to bring Margaret into his office to show these x-rays to her to say, look, you can't even tell the difference. They're never going to know. And it's just like, why is he, why does he need to tell her this? Purely just for plot purposes so David can figure out what's going on and get what he needs to get out of there. That's right. There's no logical reason, but there's a strong illogical reason. <laughs> and uh, so that's great. And then it ends. I mean, that's really it, like for the first half. And it ends on a screen grab from part two, where Hulk is rescuing Julie. Right. So yeah, if you're watching is... this as a movie and it's all one part, you know, so if you're an Australian, then you you wouldn't see that. You'd see him escape from the hospital, stealing the doctor's car. And then they get in the doctor and Margaret get in her car and they there's a chase. And they go back to the house. But if you're watching right. this as a part one and two, you see a screen grab of the Hulk rescuing Julie from the house and presumably jumping off of the roof of the house. Right. I thought that was an interesting exactly. choice. I, I don't I don't know why they did that. They got to give something. It's it's it's, you know, the end of the thing where they give you an exciting tidbit of what's coming next week so that you get excited and go, ooh, is he kidnapping her? Is he helping her? What's going to happen next week? The Hulk rescues Charo. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's interesting. So that's the point. Yeah. So so he steals the stuff from the doctor's office. They see him doing it and are in pursuit. He runs out and uh, that's the end of the episode. And yeah. then we start the next one with uh, him trying so hard to get Julie <laughs> to go with him. And this is Julie, who up to this point has been enamored by everything he does and wants to be with him all the time. And uh, very easygoing, no problems at all. And all of a sudden, he says, Julie, we've got to go. I've got to help you. We've got to get you out of here. And then she just absolutely refuses, like downright refuses to the point where she starts smashing him in the head with a, like, a, I don't know, her water pitcher? Or yeah, something it's, that was like, next to her bed. it's like a metal pitcher. And she beats him with it. <laughs> it's just fantastic. And he keeps trying to tell her you're in trouble, you're in trouble. And every time he opens his mouth, she smashes him in the head. And it's the whole, don't make me angry. Exactly. And so that's that's what makes him hulk out. And it, right before he hulks out, he puts the the x-rays in, like, between the mattresses. And so we have a little bit of a, ooh, that's that's going to come back to bite us. 
moment. Or is he putting it in a safe place? Yeah, it's but it's one of those things that you fully expect. Yep. Resolution at some point. Yes. Now, all of this is to get to the the possibly the best well, it's the best sequence of the TV Hulk that we've seen so far for me in terms of the Hulk out uh, Hulk out <laughs> moments. I think you know what I'm talking about. It is Hulk uh, versus the Animal Kingdom. <laughs> First, yes, yes. Yeah. And well, and just just to be clear, like we have entered so Hulk has taken her out of the house and has fled to the swamp. And now, like the entirety of the rest of this episode is the swamp. <laughs> Pretty much that's all we're going to see the whole time. It's crazy. That's but yes, right. the first thing uh, after uh, they they end up teaming up with Michael, the old guy, and this is where they realize that he and he's the one who saved Julie, blah, blah, blah. And he's helping them through the swamp. And yes. What what did, what does he encounter there? The bear. So what did you think of the bear? How'd they do? <laughs> well, it was full on entertaining, Pete. <laughs> full on. Oh, it was it was joyous in that 70s way where you're watching something. And you're like, well, that's yep. That's exactly what just happened. <laughs> it was so I could not stop laughing. So it's, it was just beautiful. <laughs> what would you what would you call the bear? Is the bear like if we're going to if if we're going to do this as the, the hero's journey, is the bear the threshold guardian? <laughs> It's this. Is uh, that where we are? He's actually beating a bear as the he has to get to the other side. I I don't know, but or is this? Are we full on in death and rebirth? We're in the abyss, right? That this is the the final transformation and get us across the swamp. Right. I I feel like this is it is it's perfect. It there's some the you have to understand everybody. If you you're not I fully do not expect you to watch the hook versus the bear there's some human slapping a bear and i think that's a uh, you know that's a bear it's a real bear. that they're no, they're doing this with yeah. who's the trainer do you have the do you know who worked with the bear uh was it bart the bear i don't know i'm very curious about that yeah. in fact um i don't think they give i wonder if i can find bart the bear's credits well, Bart the uh, Bear did The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams, The Gambler, uh, Louis L'Amour's Down the Long Hills, Lost in the Bar- Barons, The Young Writers, Les Almonts, De Rivière Rouge, and the 70th Academy Awards. He was a presenter. That's all that we, I have for television credits on Wikipedia. Yeah, I, and it looks like Bart's work started around 1980. So, yeah, so, a little early. It was a, a precursor to Bart, but uh, yeah. maybe in the same uh, by you know another bear trained by the same people. I don't know. Yeah, so it was. It, there's some bear slapping. What I'm assuming is uh, somebody, a, a stunt person or the trainer, looking like the back of Bill Bixby, and then he hulks out, and that's when they do some interesting things, maybe unintentionally, maybe intentionally, to affect scale. <laughs> because at <laughs> one point, look, okay, they go underwater. Oh, can we we got to back up a little bit because this was the thing that I I that tripped me up. When they get into the water, there is no sign of the bear. And no, she says, right. "Wait, there's something on my leg. Oh, it's probably a <laughs> leech." And then the bear erupts from the river as if it is the elusive water bear, like it's a Kodiak, like underwater sea bear. I don't even bear. remember it erupting. Wasn't it just like they cut and it's just there? It was just there. I had assumed it was swimming underwater like a snorkeling bear. <laughs> right. Hunting deep underwater. It's stalking them under the water. 
So I didn't know what they were going for with that, but I thought it was terrific. So at some point when the Hulk and the bear are wrestling, they go underwater as Bill Bigsby. He comes up as Hulk and he's got the bear over his head and the bear's about four feet long. It used to be a full size bear, but now it's a it's like a puppet bear. <laughs> I don't know what they were going for. Did they want it to seem like the Hulk was so big he now towers over a bear or was it just a very small puppet? Right. I don't know. You you clearly funny. did not think about this as hard as I did. I spent a lot of time on this. I just I I spent all my time just chuckling at the uh, at the whole the whole thing with uh, with the the stuffed bear that he throws. That was uh, pretty pretty funny. How far would you say he threw that bear? Oh, I'd say you know I don't know 100 feet or so. He seems to throw it over the tops of the trees. <laughs> he does he throws over the top of the trees? If we go back, go ahead and rewind to the shack where all he's able to do is like slide some furniture across the wall and throw a guy across the table. But he could throw a bear in the hundreds of feet, the low mm, hundreds of yes. feet. Yeah, it was exceptional work. Yeah. Apparently, the bear, um, when, when it was Lou Ferrigno, um, the bear kept knocking the wig off of his head and licking off the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, made for a difficult production. We should we should talk about the the makeup in this particular project. Yes. There were some challenges. Wow. Where did it there hit you? There are some real challenges. I think the moments that I noticed it the most are around the quicksand period because the quicksand gets on him and I don't know if the quicksand washed it off or it just kind of came off in all the the scuffing around, but I mean you can clearly see just regular you know, pale Lou Ferrigno skin under the mud. Oh, quite often. It's it's yeah. not that well greened up. No, it's not. This is a step back compared to the first one. And I think it's because they tried to do like some uh, alpha level makeup work in a setting that requires the Hulk to be in the water a lot. Uh, yeah. in the from being submerged in the river to being in the quicksand and the water that goes swamp. with that, the, the swamp. swamp. He's in the swamp. <laughs> He's always in the swamp, and it it just feels like there might have been some miscommunication between <laughs> the production design folks and the makeup folks. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that may have been where everything broke down, but I, it's not for me to judge. <laughs> it was a struggle, regardless, and uh, yeah, I. I We'll be curious to see. We'll have to do makeup checks in the rest of these yeah. to see how well they do. Well, and and do you agree? I mean, it definitely is a step down from the last one. I know we had some quibbles from about the the first one, but there they were, were some they makeup were not issues last time. Significant but not as makeup. Bad. This was yeah. this yeah. was just Lou Ferrigno shirtless. Quite quite a number of times. Mm -hmm. I do also have to talk about the quicksand again. I know I was joking about yeah. it earlier, but um, so Bruce falls into the uh, sorry David falls into the quicksand. And uh, he's struggling to get out. And this is the big moment where Julie is, she's like, he's like, you have to stand, you have to help me. And she's trying to stand, but can't. And then he kind of, that's the, he hulks out in the quicksand and is able to kind of get himself out um, from that. But what I think is really funny is that when the bad guys fall into the quicksand, they like full on are running and they like totally splash down in the quicksand. They, both them and their dogs all, conveniently climb out really easily <laughs> like that was so easy why why was it so hard for him that's right well he needed another ex excuse for her to walk and so this was because the first time he says and she's screaming i can't walk i can't walk this is right after they get to the other side of the river and 
he says he he pulls like a mindfulness gambit on her. He says, and you won't walk as long as you believe you won't. And it's <laughs> like he's a, it's like he goes back to that sort of stage magician kind of mentality where he's trying to trying to trick her into into it. But we have to we have to go back to the intention of the poison. Like it, I'm not mm. entirely sure that believing that she couldn't walk is what they needed us to know here. I think what they needed us to what what they had set up was the fact that she'd been poisoned to the point that she couldn't walk. She was passing out like she they set her up to, you know, that this is a neurological thing, but actually they were poisoning her. This was not the the drug that makes her uh, you know, look like a crazy hulked out cow. Like they really were poisoning her. Yeah, right, right. Right. And so I'm not sure that the uh David Banner you have to believe you can walk to walk trick was should have been effective at all. Is she really this daffy where at the beginning of the film when we first see her, she so is convinced that she can't walk that she's falling over because she's just so mentally weak. It's it's such a strange setup or or is it because she's getting poisoned? But then uh, the setup is so strange because, yeah, like you said, she should be able to walk or she shouldn't be able to walk at all. Right. Like it's it's such a uh, a misstep and just kind of the way that they were trying to portray that. So, it's, right. Um, yeah. Right. And, and if you I, think about it. So don't. But we will. Don't think about it. Uh, because the, the it's mind. It's too late for us. Right. <laughs> don't follow us into the cave. Uh, anyway, so he we Hulk versus Bear, Hulk wins, and then we reach the the second uh, bit of Hulk versus Wildlife, and that's Hulk versus Rattlesnake, <laughs> and he also wins, <laughs> not but not before the Rattlesnake does ten right. points of damage to the party. Throwing that Rattlesnake, he does. He throws a Rattlesnake. I I don't know. Did you see if there was a statement by the Humane Society on this film? Did any? <laughs> was a bear actually injured? Was the snake injured? I, I should have checked. But what I will say that made me chuckle even more than the whole thing with the rattlesnake, because it has now damaged Michael and he's having a hard time keeping up with them. Yeah. In order to in order to evade the bad guys when they come by, he does the old trick where he hides underwater with like a straw. <laughs> <laughs> like and you see him under the bridge as they like go over and he's just under the I'm like, wow. This this is this where this began? <laughs> and he's got such a smile on his face that is like magnified under the surface of the water. He looks like this big happy bubble face <laughs> sucking on a reed under the water. It is quite obvious and uh it's but there's another obvious one that that is after they get out of the swamp, you know, in the denouement of the episode. Um we have Banner and Michael, who's now shaven, he's now working for um, Julie. Julie, mm-hmm. who I have to say, is much better. Like, I can truly tolerate her when she's not playing the drugged out Daffy girl. Like, <laughs> she's much better. She's easy to easy to listen to. She's better written. Like, this this last little sequence is great. Until McGee shows up. Now, McGee has McGee is the reporter. McGee is the don't make me angry McGee. And right. we haven't seen a lot of him throughout this episode right he's been in yeah, and out kind of doing a little he's kind of been skulking he went as soon as he heard that there was an attack by the hulk because he thinks david banner's dead as soon as yeah. he heard that there was a hulk attack that's when he showed up and started questioning people but he never quite gets you know anywhere would you agree that in this episode he's poorly used 
I feel like he's going to, I mean, I haven't, can't recall most of the episodes, but I feel like he ends up probably being poorly used through most of the show. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> we're setting showing the up standard. As the, as, the, <laughs> as the pursuer. Well, he's a pursuer who's just never, like, you think he's not really on top of things until this last sequence where they're standing in the hallway of this hospital and there's McGee walking up the hallway toward them from kind of far away. And he keeps getting closer and closer. And then Banner says, oh, he can't know I'm alive. He notices him <laughs> by looking straight at him. And you realize right. that McGee and Banner are now about 15 feet away from each other. <laughs> McGee's like, like he's in distance to say, hey, hey, you want to get some coffee? Like he's not in like, like I can't recognize you distance. He's definitely in I'm ready to engage with you distance. And Banner sneaks out right at the last minute. They're probably eight feet from each other. <laughs> Right. He's right there. Very strange. Uh, he's not much of an antagonist who can't see his prey from 10 feet away. It's very funny. I have to jump back a little bit, though, mm -hmm. to another story point that, that really bugged me to the point where I actually had to back it up and go, did I, did I fall asleep and miss something? <laughs> <laughs> because... Where is the story resolution? So the last thing we see of of Margaret and the doctor is, you know, they're kind of directing their troops. Like they've got a helicopter guy after them and these other guys. And, and the Hulk is kind of hulking out and smashing everything. He smashes the helicopter. And they're just kind of like left there. And that's kind of the end of the story with them. We have Hulk and, you know, helping Julia. They, they walk out of there together. And she's like, and all we get for the for the confrontation of the film, the the closure, wrapping up the bad guys, catching them, all that sort of stuff. All we get is Julie saying, OK, I can take care of myself now. You go back through the forest. Yeah. And like, shoo, shoo, go on. <laughs> and you get like sad little puppy Hulk. Oh, and he has to go off by himself while she goes to deal with everything. We need, we get no closure on the on the x-rays that he hid under the mattress. Like none of there's there's no closure to the story. There's no closure to the it's story. Just, and we don't ever see her. the stepmom again. No, that's it. Like it's Julie saying, I'll take care of everything and you go on your way. And that's it. Yeah. It's like, what happened to the story? <laughs> they ran out of time. They realized, oh, you know what? The that we're running out of time. It's going to hit the hour mark. Let's just end it here. This is good. So here's what we, I here's what I didn't do, and I that I actually I have that as a note that I I probably should have done in preparation for this, but I had to assume to make this work that she has become an arch villainess over the course of the entire series. And that, of course, we'll see her again and it'll be resolved <laughs> in the next episode. Right. Because if the it's not that, <laughs> the return of Margaret, if it's not that, this is terrible. There is, in fact, no third act. <laughs> it's just gone. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange way to end it. Yeah. Uh, I get it. They wanted to show David testing this radiology um, gear to see if he could get, uh, if it could help him. And uh, so, of course, they're going to want to include that. But you got to close your story yeah. up. But we th because this the whole radiology thing was the B story, folks, like that was not central to the premise. Once she fainted in the very opening of the thing and he in, like injected himself into their family history, that became the, the central story of the episode and him closing the loop on that radiology thing was not 
the the central story anymore. And so I, I feel like they they forgot that. It, what happens is that becomes the kind of the overarching story over the entire show. The the run of it is is him trying to find a way to cure himself of this Hulk issue that he has. And so, uh, of course, we we are going to need that in the episodes to kind of remind us that this is what he's doing. He's pursuing this. The super narrative um, thing that we have right. going on. Right? But we do have a story happening here and we need to resolve it properly. Did uh, McCraney ever wake up? Denny? Did he ever wake up? Yeah, right. What happened know? to Denny? What happened to Denny? Last time we saw him, he was asleep in the bed, all broken up, wrapped in That was another bandages. thing. Like, I, I, you expect the closure of these sorts of things. Like, they're at the hospital, have them talking to him, and he can say, oh, I'm sorry I misjudged you, or whatever, to the guy, as, uh, to, to David, as, as they kind of talk about the radiology stuff before... Um, uh, McGee shows up. Yes. You know, there's ways that they could have tied that up. And- yeah, and and you know where it could have they they could have trimmed in the swamp. There was a <laughs> lot of swamp. Well, I <laughs> so tell you, much swamp. as a kid watching stuff like this, like the bear, the snake, yeah. like those. Are, anytime he hulks out, like that's the stuff that I lived for. Well, so that's I, the you stuff. Can't cut that stuff out. No, of course not. And, and you know, if that stuff stays in at the service of, you know, satisfying their 12 to 18-year-old viewer, clearly yeah. it was okay. I mean, this was the second and, and third or, or third and fourth episodes of season one of a five-year run of a show that did very, very well for itself. So who's, yeah. who's complaining? Certainly not us. Certainly not us. Maybe some hulked-out cows. <laughs> <laughs> and a bear and uh, the bear so Excellent. I, I don't know what else do you have any other notes no i think that's it for my notes uh you know it's in this was really fun it's a fun watch it yeah. has problems but it still is enjoyable and i think that it feels very much like the tv show more so than the first one and i'm curious as we jump into the next three which are um the tv show was canceled in 82 these are three TV movies um, after the the property. I think um, I think NBC picked it up from CBS, and they made three TV movies. This is um, six years later. The first one, which we'll be talking about uh, next time, mm-hmm. The Incredible Hulk Returns. Just to be clear, we just watched The Return of the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> next time, it is The Incredible Hulk Returns. <laughs> But that's what I'm curious to see. Like, are those going to feel more like movies or are they going to feel like big TV episodes? But I will say, Pete, we do have a surprise Marvel character joining Hulk in the next one. So I can't wait. Very much looking forward to it. I can't wait. I haven't seen now. I know that I. I've seen the stuff we just watched. I am sure I've seen it. I don't have a memory of it, but I've seen a lot of Hulk TV, and I'm sure this was a part of it. What we're doing now is all completely new to me. The next three properties, the next all these movies, I've never seen, and I cannot wait. I'm in the same boat as you. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So next time, folks, uh, The Incredible Hulk returns. That will be in, I think we said it's about three weeks. Is that what it is again? Yeah, it'll be the beginning of October. So about three weeks from now, uh, look for it in your feed. You'll have another hiatus episode dealing with the Hulk. That's it, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, true believers. Yeah.